You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. I'm fired up to be here. Thanks to everybody listening on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all of you that listen to the podcast later in Apple or Spotify or anywhere else you listen to podcasts, thank you. We've got a great show in store today. I am fired up because Justin Thomas won the PGA Championship. Tons of storylines coming from that big event over the weekend. The Golden State Warriors are up 3-0. In just a moment, I will let you know what person involved in the Warriors I'm convinced is the most important to this dynasty that they continue to be on. Are they going to go win another championship? I, I think I'm convinced they are. So we will get into that. Luke is with me today. He is feeling bad about his Mavs. So we'll hear from him in, in a moment. Uh, but we also have to talk about his Texas A&M head football coach, Jimbo Fisher, and the big feud from last week with Nick Saban. Oh, how does everybody feel about that? Now that a few days have passed, was it blown out of proportion? What do we, what do we learn about both programs, about both head coaches? What does this say to us as fans? There's a lot to unpack there. Wow. Hopefully you were able to read uh, the devotional that I, I wrote about on Friday. Uh, but if you missed that, you can check that out, unpackingit.com. Today on the show, we will do Unpack This uh, about the PGA Championship. And I want to talk about Mito Pereira and how he hit the ball in the water on the 18th hole. All he had to do was par. All he had to do was hit it to the left. Instead, he hit it to the right and ended up in the hazard. What does that have to do with our own lives? We'll talk about that. We will unpack that in just a little bit. Uh, Henry is not with us today. We'll see him in a couple of weeks. Uh, next Monday, we're off for uh, Memorial Day, making a trip up to Boone again. So excited to, to go back up uh, to the mountains here in North Carolina. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, so Henry's not here, but we'll still do tap drill, and we'll have some fun uh, tapping around a couple topics uh, with Luke and I. Uh, before we say hello to Luke, uh, I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. And as you can see, I've got a, a new MetaShare tumbler uh, that's looking nice in the studio. So uh, appreciate them for, for that. But here's the, here's the story. If, if you're frustrated by your you know, health care coverage, maybe you're, you're using health insurance and you're, you're paying too much, it's not working out for you, it's time for a change. And, and so... I encourage you to check out MediShare because if you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, 
Check out MediShare today at MediShare.com slash unpacking it. It's what my family uses, and we've been members for over five years. MediShare offers programs for every budget. So whether you're an individual or a business owner or a ministry leader, you're self-employed, MediShare has options for you. And the best part is their members, on average, save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. So you want to save money, you want good coverage, check out metashare.com slash unpacking it and really appreciate their support of this show and and really appreciate uh, what they they do for my family as well, offering great health care. Uh, it's a great health care option. So check it out, metashare.com slash unpacking it. All right, so Luke, how are you doing? I know it was a, a, a tough uh, game last night watching your Mavs fall to 0-3 against the Golden State Warriors, and I'll let you know what I'm convinced of in a moment. Uh, but how are you doing today? You're, you're shaving. You're clean shaving. <laughs> Normally we have the big red beard. Where's the red beard today? That's right. Well, you know, we're trying to change things up to build some momentum in Dallas. Any way I can help as a fan. Maybe the facial hair wasn't working. I will say, though, you showing off that new tumbler. I need that tumbler to keep my milk cold. What? I've been on a huge milk kick lately. And uh, I, was a, I was a glass of milk guy growing up. Every restaurant, I'm ordering milk. No. At dinner, I'm ordering milk. I'm ordering. I'm drinking milk. And lately... <laughs> Like in college, it kind of went away, and this then lately expensive. we we accidentally bought too much milk, and I was like, "Well, I'll just drink it anyway." And that first glass, I was like, "Whoa, why did I ever stop drinking milk?" So it's a glass a night, maybe two glasses a night. Madeline has no idea what to think. I've never seen this out of my husband. He's a milk drinker, multiple glasses per day. Wow, so I'll take the heat from it, but it's delicious. Whole milk that is, is the way to go. Man, I I, I feel like you're gonna get a little. Uh... During the show. I, I don't know. I, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem like a great drink during a show. I, well, we'll we, we need goes. to get a cough button, like the like like play-by-play guys, but for the, the milk button. If I need yeah, to, to you're going to be lips. a little, little, I don't even know what, the, what that's called, but that doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound great to me. But I'm a milk guy. I like milk. The funny thing is, so my, my wife, Jody has had to be dairy-free while Michaela is, is nursing, and because Michaela has a intolerance to it i guess and and so anyway so jody actually in general she likes almond milk so we have almond milk around the house okay and then oat milk so i enjoy a good uh chai tea latte oh yeah with oat milk and we can make that at home so that's kind of nice so i do i do enjoy that but in general i'm a two percent guy and and stick to that and and so maddie my other <laughs> daughter she she'll only drink the the normal milk don't mention almond milk to her she goes i don't want almond milk get it out so uh, let me just push back against you for a second. Can you confidently say you can taste if it's made with oat milk? Like if they handed you a chai tea latte with 2% milk and not whole milk, would you take a sip? Oh, send it back. Give no. me the oat milk. I'm no, thinking I, there's no chance. No, I'm not. I'm not particular. I just, I just like the oat milk. Like it's just kind of a different, uh, it's a little bit of a different flavor. It's vanilla flavored actually. So okay. it just adds a little something when I'm making <laughs> a little chai tea latte on, gotcha. on a Sunday afternoon. But in general, I'm with you. I enjoy milk. I like milk with Mexican and Italian especially. Uh, so those, oh. that washes it down pretty good. Well, um, so outside of the milk drinking, I was thinking this weekend, it's getting so hot here in Texas. I mean, this week has actually been 
70s out of nowhere. So I'm wearing a quarter zip. So the quarter zip lives on for a bit longer this year. <laughs> but it's been triple digits already here, multiple days per week. And it got me thinking, it's got to be pool time for the Johnson family. <laughs> I always enjoyed stories when it was time for the Johnsons to go to the pool. There was always some interactions. The show got great stories. And now it's that time of year where I just get to sit back and wait for the weekly pool story. So I don't uh, know what, temp, what temps are like in Charlotte, but is it pool time now? It, it is officially pool time. And me and Maddie made our debut at the neighborhood pool yesterday afternoon. And oh, let's go. It was a blast. So we jumped in together. And she couldn't get enough swimming. She loved it and, and had a big old, old day. But as I was walking down in the pushing the stroller, uh, which is always a treat in the it is it's warming up pretty good here in Charlotte. Um, <laughs> but I'm pushing it down. And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder if the ice truck will come the Kona ice where they bring you know, like ices or kind of slushy type things. Hmm. I was thinking to myself, oh, that'd be that'd be pretty cool if they if they made it to the pool today. The downside, though, I did not bring my wallet. And I'm no. thinking to myself, ooh, I didn't bring my wallet. That's going to be a problem. That's a bummer because there's nothing better at the pool than like a little snack. Like we don't have oh, a snack yeah. bar. Come on. But, you know, growing up, we don't have a snack bar at the pool that yeah. I went to. And it's so, a high life. All I right. Wedding, yeah. Weddington was the place to be. That's right. That was a, that was a nice, <laughs> nice uh, swim club then. Um, <laughs> but the neighborhood pool doesn't have the snack bar, but they do have the cone of ice that shows up on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. So there I was sitting in the pool with, with my friends and neighbors uh, hanging out, having a good time with Maddie and, and, and the families. And all of a sudden we hear the truck come up and I go, Oh no, Kona ice is here, but I don't have the money. I didn't bring my, I didn't bring my wallet. This is going to be such a bummer. And so I, I, I do this whole song and dance about not having <laughs> the money to be able to, to go get the Kona ice. And so at that point, my neighbors are like, well, we'll get you one. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's very nice. But then you have to play. No, 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 no. You can't do that. Mm. that you don't have to do that for me. But then, then the response is, well, we're not going to sit here. We're going to get one. So we're not going to sit here and have one and you not have an eat in front of you. That doesn't make sense. And, and I'm like, all right, fine. I'll do a strawberry banana. Not that I thought about <laughs> it at all. <laughs> not that I thought If you're going to get one, strawberry banana is what I thought. Yeah, all right, fine. You've twisted my arm. But here's the question today, Luke. This yes. is the life quandary for everyone. So I get the nice strawberry banana. Well, now what do I do? They mm -hmm. paid for it. So do I just accept the nice gift of a Kona ice, nice little slushy sitting by the pool? Do I now, you know, make sure I get it the next time, which is what I said to him, or do I try to pay him back the four or five dollars, whatever it may have been uh, for the for the Kona ice? So now I, because now I now I owe him now I owe him one. And, and so should I have initially just said, forget about it. If you don't bring your money, you don't get to enjoy the, 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 the little delicious treat. <laughs> so you're out. That's that would have been my loss. Or do you embrace the opportunity that someone's willing to pick up the Kona ice for you and, and just move on and, and not worry about it? What, what would you say to me? I have many thoughts to respond with. First of all, it's hilarious in my mind to imagine three grown men with the ice cream truck coming by, hey, you get it this week? Don't worry. I'll get it next week, Billy. <laughs> when the ice cream truck comes back again, you guys are so excited. To be fair, though, you can never outgrow the ice cream truck. Never. You can never. 
the, the, the shaved ice, the snow cones, it always delivers. So here, here is my main thought. I think it's your responsibility to offer some type of, I'll pay it forward next time, or let me pay you back. Mm. But it is the person who paid, they have to deny it. Do you want to be that guy demanding payback for $3? Mm. Personally, I had this come up on a golf course recently. Making the turn. I was going to buy uh, a Gatorade. And my buddy says, hey, will you, uh, will you grab me water? Will you, will you get me water? I'll pay you back. I'm like, yeah, sure. Go get the water and the Gatorade. Come back. He's like, how much is it? He's dialing up the Venmo. He's going to send me the money. And I'm, and I'm thinking, wait, am I going to make this guy Venmo me $2? $2? Do I want to be that guy? Hey, it'll be $2. Just send me that Venmo whenever you want. No. I could not allow myself to be the I need my $2 back guy. I was like, dude, I'll cover it. The total bill was four fifty for Gatorade and a water. I don't need my two dollars back. It's fine. It's fine. So yeah. I caught myself. I can never be that guy. So I think it's the responsibility to if you buy someone a two or three dollar snack or drink, don't be the guy to hey, you know, whenever you're ready, I'll I'll, I'll get that two two or three dollars back whenever you're ready. Yeah. No. no my it, that's my opinion. It's fair. The problem is my my bill is racking up because my <laughs> my my buddy is he's always got it. He's always Are you chronic it. forget wallet guy? Is I, is this you? Is this what you're known for at the I, pool? Kind of. I mean, just in general, like I never have cash or rarely <laughs> like it's just it's not it's just not part of the deal. So anyway, he's covered me multiple times and like even things around the house like hey, I need a trash bag. He comes through. So I have a very reliable mm. neighbor. And and so now I'm now it's like I'm over the top. The the icy kind of put me over the top in, yeah. in owing. And so that's the that's the challenge where I'm at now. And he's probably listening to this. Uh and so now we'll have to have a conversation <laughs> about it. You gotta come um, through for him so- sometime soon. I do. If you're asking for trash bags guy, hey, you got a couple eggs to spare. Yep. Hey, yep. uh lost, sugar. forgot my wallet. Yeah. You gotta come through for him. You gotta do it. Ah. Uh. I need, I got to step it up. So, but again, do you also want to be, I'm racking up the bill guy. Hey, uh, do I owe anything? Well, actually, yeah, let me check my note sheet. I've been keeping track. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy either. Definitely it not. Didn't, it didn't work out for Jerry and Kramer when Jerry uh-uh. started keeping a tally of all the snacks Kramer borrowed. That was bad. So it's bad, bad for the friendship. That's right. All right. So that's, that's the lesson learned there. So, uh, appreciate any feedback on that. So, uh, so let me know. Uh, you can always email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Well, let's jump into some sports talk. I, I know some of you are, are waiting for that. Uh, and we want to hear from from Luke with his Mavs uh, now now going down 0-3. But I want to actually talk about the Warriors for a little while because I'm convinced the person that is most responsible for the Golden State Warriors dynasty is Bob Myers Mm. and you may be thinking Bob who's Bob Myers Bob Myers is the 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 overlooked general manager of the Golden State Warriors and he has built and continues to build an absolute dynasty and competitive consistent reliable NBA franchise has turned the Warriors into an absolute powerhouse when you know, in many ways, they were irrelevant for, for a long time. A couple blips on the radar here or there. 
but Bob Myers has been the GM officially since 2012. And so he was the assistant GM in 2011, then took over as the GM. So for the last 10 years, he did he, this. Is, all right. So first off, he did not draft Steph Curry. Okay. So the argument could be, well, it's all about Steph Curry, which I love Steph Curry. He's on the wall. He's from Charlotte. I'm all in on Curry. Curry would have had a great career with or without Bob Myers. All right. Yeah. I think he would have been an awesome player. But this level of success to me points to the architect, the builder, the one making the roster changes, the draft selections, the trades, the signings, the timing of all those things. Bob Myers has made it happen for the Golden State Warriors. So here, let's just go through some of the things he did. Well, in 2012, when he took over, he drafted Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes helped win them a championship. Definitely. Right? And then he moved on from Harrison Barnes, Barnes at the right time and essentially replaced Barnes with Kevin Durant. Then <laughs> in 2012, in the second round, Bob Myers drafted Draymond Green with a 35th pick. So Draymond Green has had a wonderful, some would say a Hall of Fame career, borderline probably, uh, but is a key you know, part to the, the success of the Warriors. Yeah, he's but key. to find a player like Green is where Myers gets the credit. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Draymond, Draymond Green is a key component. When you look at this Warriors, like the Warriors offense is unlike any other team. Like the moving parts, it's just beautiful basketball to watch. It truly, the phrase poetry in motion gets thrown around for what basketball is to watch. The Warriors are is, is poetry in motion with the constant cutting, the back cuts, the ball movement. And Draymond Green is like the quarterback of the whole offense. It's, it's remarkable. Absolutely. So all of these people play a key role. Steve Kerr's designing of the offense and, 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 you know, putting his players in the best position to succeed and maximizing the talent of Draymond Green and, and Steph and all these guys. But Bob Myers is the one that picks these guys, that brings in the right people to fit into Steve Kerr's how about, system. How about and a Sean Livingston type? Each other. Even a guy like Sean Livingston. Who early on, yep, had a trim be, come in in 2014, a great handful of seasons in Golden State. He plugged in perfectly because it's a very high IQ system, and not everyone can can step up to the plate and succeed there. But man, the machine. To your point, Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, I mean, the machine they built is amazing. The only grievance I have with Bob Myers is the dude cannot wear a proper tie. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you make millions of dollars. You are in the sophisticated mm. realm of society, and your tie only goes down to your belly button? Come uh, on. It's got go, It's got to go down to the belt buckle. I literally, it looks like a clown tie. They showed him <laughs> on camera last night, and I'm thinking, dude, first of all, you have no good friends who tell you your tie's way too short. And I guess, I don't know, maybe it's the Mark Cuban thing. You make so much money... You're you're uh, an, an executive, and you don't care how you look. The t the t shirt tucked in the jeans with Mark Cuban we talked about last week. Now Bob Myers, yeah, short I'll tie. Wear mini, I'll wear a miniature tie. Short <laughs> tie guy. I don't know what's worse, short tie guy or t shirt tucked into jeans guy. Now, uh, that's a debate right toss there. Up. But there's but I will <laughs> say there's nothing worse when I do tie a tie, which I rarely wear one, and then you find yourself short, and they have to start over. Yeah, I, I the mean, retie. Ah, the, the retie is always tough. So maybe Bob Myers just whiffs on the first try and he says, 
All right, that's fine. I got to get to the game. He gives himself one shot. One shot. And you, <laughs> you whiff, you're done. And maybe it's a new tie every time. And so he never <laughs> really right. can gauge the right length on that. So, uh, so yeah, other than the tie. So Bob Myers, you know, to me, he traded for Andre Iguodala, who ended up being a really key piece to the Warriors' success and his yep. ability to guard LeBron, at least limit him during the finals when they when they beat LeBron and the Cavs. Um, and the Heat, did they play? No, the Cavs. They beat the Cavs. And then, then when Bob Myers decided, yep, time to move on from Andre Iguodala. If he wants to go get paid from someone else, we got paid by Miami. Good, good for you. We're not going to sign you for that. Then Andre Iguodala makes the money in Miami. Well, now he's back with the Warriors, and and so he's injured at the moment. But to have him back in the line or in the in the locker room has been key for the Warriors this year because yep. he's been a part of that DNA that 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 key you know, element to the, to the, to the roster. And then the other big trade that is really benefiting the warriors is trading for Andrew Wiggins. And a lot of people downplay. I know I downplayed Andrew Wiggins, you know, former number one pick, but he's fit in just right with the warriors. And to, to, in some ways, many people thought Andrew Wiggins was overpaid and even the, the cost to get Andrew Wiggins to, to the warriors to having to trade, I guess, D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, that was a big, big deal, but it's benefited the Warriors in a huge way. And now Wiggins bringing that defensive uh, ability, some nice dunks last night. And, and he's been a key contributor and, and helping to the success of, of this version of the Warriors. And so I could go on and on and on. And in turn, Landon did, did a ton of research on all the moves that Bob Myers has made. Uh, but drafting Jordan Poole, drafting Jonathan Kaminga. Um, you know, James Wiseman hasn't worked out yet, so we'll see. The jury's still out on that, but I'll be curious what he's able to flip James Wiseman for eventually. I totally uh, forgot about James Wiseman. Yeah, I, mean, I know. To, it's to unbelievable. This- Their ability to draft and develop is is remarkable. Curry, Thompson, Draymond, uh, and then yeah, Jordan Poole. It's crazy. It's like I was. I'm watching the series. The only, the only bad thing about the Mavs beating the Suns is people convincing themselves the Mavs have a, their roster has reached its destination. Mm. The rosters here are ready for a run. Certainly, you've done the most difficult thing in finding a top five player in the league in Luka Doncic, and Kid's done a great job, but the roster is not ready to be a consistent threat to make the finals, to make the conference finals. Watching this Warrior series, I think, thankfully, is giving some perspective on the Warriors. It's night and day. No matter how many, even though Dallas won the regular season series, this Warriors team is built for a finals run. And now let's also be reminded, the Warriors are still on their dynasty. The dynasty never ended. From 2015, finals. 2016, losing the finals. 2017, 2018, finals. 2019 losing the finals, and then it's just injuries. The only reason they haven't been relevant for two years is because of injuries. But the dynasty never stopped. That healthy core, they are still in dynasty mode. Which is remarkable. Again, Bob Myers, his ability to be able to keep Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. Because yep. those are the three guys. That's the core of this this team yep and and none of them left and even keeping steve kerr because think about it 
you know, Phil Jackson eventually left Chicago because he didn't get along with the front office. And, and Michael Jordan had a tough time with the front office, Jerry Krause and, and all the, you know, the, the yep. issues there. Um, and they had really, you know, multiple versions of, of their roster. It was a lot of roster turnover. And for the Warriors, there has been some roster turnover. But to keep three main guys the same uh, yep. is very, very impressive for the Warriors. Like this, um, this Warriors team is, is it's exactly what we want in basketball. The only disappointing thing is Kevin Durant going to Golden State is going to ruin, is going to hinder Golden State's legacy in that what they should be known for is basketball played the right way, unbelievable amounts of selflessness. Like everyone's bought into team first. Draymond was on record saying he never feels unprepared with Steve Kerr as their coach. Mm. Like they're, they follow Steve Kerr. And the players follow Steph as their leader. They're all bought into the team. Kevin Durant going there kind of ruins that legacy on, oh, they're just, they just bought a super team. No, they didn't. No. They drafted their players, a core. And then Bob Myers, he plugs in uh, their four, five, and six in a deep bench guys to go around the core. And it's just the same machine every year with different kind of fringe players. Mm. To be able to add a Wiggins, like you said, a Sean Livingston, a Harrison Barnes, a Jordan Poole now. It's amazing it, it, that yeah. the core of Thompson, Draymond, and Steph, it's one of the greatest things we've ever seen in the NBA. And it, it, you can't hate it. It's just basketball played so well. It's amazing. But it is, ama- it is amazing. People don't like the Warriors. And this always happens once you, you reach a certain level of success. People don't like it anymore. And then players, you know, you start to get a little confident, cocky, and, and that sort of thing too. And so we see that with the Warriors to, to a certain extent. But, here, but they're not like this. the Heat. They're not like the Warriors at their core, outside of the Kevin Durant years, they're not like the Miami Heat, who are easy to hate. Oh, they just paired up in the offseason. The LeBron, the LeBron Heat. The not LeBron, heat. correct. Not the LeBron heat. heat. The current Heat are awesome. And really, I could give a whole same kind of argument about Pat Riley and what he's done in Miami. And the, it's and amazing. The, the fact amazing. that he's, he's now done this. This is really the third time. He's done this with different players to be able to do it with the, the Shaq and D Wade, and then also the, the LeBron era. And now a Jimmy Butler, kind of a makeshift ragtag group of guys. I know it's, it's unbelievable. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how I assume the heat are going to win this series. My big thing with the Celtics, I think their key player is Robert Williams and, and, and talk about another kind of fringe player, but a key player defensively. I think Texas he was second team defense. Come on. Oh, there you go. So to me, him being out is, is what's preventing the Celtics from getting over the top. But real quickly, before we uh, talk some golf, uh, Luca and the Mavs, nice. You know, Luca was awesome last night. But what's your big takeaway kind of from this series? And, and do you assume it's over? Or do you think, hey, no, let's, let's rally. You never know what can happen. Where do you come out on that? Uh, well, it's definitely over, and the Mavs are just hit the wall with how they don't have a deep bench at all. So Reggie Bullock, I was reading today, has played the most playoff minutes this year. Jalen Brunson's top five in playoff minutes. Dorian Finney-Smith is top five in playoff minutes. There's no deep bench, and with how hard they have to defend with all the switching, they don't have the legs to shoot anymore. So first and second round, they had the legs and the energy to be able to knock down shots. But the Mavs are just hit the wall. They're, the Warriors are a better team, and the Mavs are just gassed. 
And not yeah. not to discredit, the Warriors have a great game plan defensively, different look every time down, it feels like, against Luka. But against a superior team, the Mavs can't be gassed and can't be worn out. And this series is playing with house money. I mean, they've already overachieved by making it to the conference finals. I'm very pleased as a Mavs fan. I'm very happy. I don't want... The, my only concern, to reiterate, is to get content because making the conference finals is so hard. And to to be content about this year can result in 15 more 15 years of not making it back. Mm. It's hard to get to the conference finals. So I hope this is reason to think we're close. Let's add a couple more players and solidify the team. And, and yeah, in many ways – they're similar to the Warriors in in using you know multiple guys, lots of threes. They just got to get a couple better better guys to be able to do that, and yeah. especially try trying to match what the Warriors throw at you. Uh, but Luca, yeah, I mean, just remarkable, and and he's he's one of the best. So you got him, you're in good shape. That's the first step, and then you you build around them and and yeah. try to get o- over the hump a little bit. All right, so uh, let's talk golf. And we'll, we'll get to our segment, Unpack This, where we take a, a sports topic related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And you can subscribe to the Unpack This devotional that goes out through email Monday, Wednesday, Friday by going to our website, unpackingit.com slash subscribe. And the big story is Justin Thomas you know, winning another PGA championship. And he's been in that mix with Spieth and, and Kepka and some of the younger guys, uh, but he only had that one major championship, which is still a big deal. But he had the one PGA championship. Now he gets another one. And the the the, the fact that he was able to come back seven down to start Sunday. Yeah. And then win in a playoff against Will Zalatoris, who I'm a big fan of. I'm, I'm I like Big Z. So I'm pulling for him. Of course, him looking like Happy Gilmore's caddy is, is always a nice treat, too. All but, I think of when I hear Big Z is Zadurnus Ilgauskas, Cleveland legend. <laughs> I know. I'm probably the only one that calls Will Zalatoris Big Z, but I feel like it's it's fitting. It's fitting. Um, but but I, I would have liked to see him win one. But now, I mean, it's remarkable that he continues to find himself in the mix, top 10, top 5, runner-up. And so, of course, he was the runner-up at the, the Masters last year. Uh, and so now to find himself in the mix again, that's a big deal for his career. He continues to, to get better and better. I'll let you say any, any comments just about Justin Thomas winning it. I think he needed it. Like now, I texted one of my buddies after he won. I said, welcome to the Hall of Fame, Justin Thomas. Like now your resume. 26? 27? How old is he? 27? Well, I'm saying his resume is technically good enough to get in with really? what he's won. Because you have oh. to have at least at least 15 wins in tournaments or like 29 or two wins, two major wins, which includes the players. But he needed it because his resume track record after winning the 2017 PGA Championship was not great. And now he's a two-time major winner. And my biggest thing is he's officially out of Jordan Spieth's shadow. Their resumes are <sighs> very uh, – like they're sim- very similar. He's, uh, he's won more. He's out of his shadow. I, oh, I think so. Really? He's won more PJ Tour events than Spieth. I don't think it's as the stretch that Spieth had, though. I mean, True. He, had, he captivated golf. It's for, not as glamorous. A couple years there, but Justin Thomas's overall success, I think he's done enough to get out of Spieth's shadow. 
Mm. But it's certainly not as glamorous. Jordan is just, yeah, his 2015 year was was wild. So, anyway, it was good to see JT win, and it was unbelievable fashion. It, it was. So, you give him credit for winning it. Hey, he got it done in, in a three-hole playoff. But the story of the day, w- without a doubt, uh, is the the collapse that we saw on on 18. And, you know, Miko Pereira was leading, you know, all day and and, and heading into Sunday with a, a three-stroke lead in position to get his first you know, PGA Tour championship uh, or first PGA Tour win, period, to win the PGA championship. And all he had to do, he found himself, all right, Three, you know, win by three on Sunday. All right, play solid golf on Sunday. He was all right. He had the lead all day, a little bit, you know, some guys pied him for a while. But then heading into 18, a one-stroke lead, all he had to do was par. And what does he do? He goes too far right and ends up in the water. It was a weird stroke and swing, and it was just, uh, it didn't seem right. And he couldn't handle the moment and found himself in the water hazard and I was actually out working on my yard uh, listening to PGA Tour radio. So this is now my, my new thing. I'm listening to golf on the radio. but Which is tremendous, by the way. It That's is. A, it's well done. PGA Tour radio is awesome. It, it's, it's very good. So I'm, I'm listening to that. But the way they described it was how all he had to do was hit it left. And and all the fairway, the green, you know, is green, green for you. No water, green. This is available to you. Just hit it left, hit a par, and you're good to go, and you're going to win. And instead, he makes this big mistake that, that that was very costly. So he ends up in the water, and then from there, it just gets worse and worse, and he doesn't hit well the rest of that hole. Uh, ends up with a double bogey and and slips down the leaderboard and misses out on the playoff, which was a bummer for him, too. Yeah, doesn't even go to the playoff. All no. he had to do was make bogey to make the playoff, and he doubled. It was it was disappointing. Oh, man. So, so even, and, and you know, for fans, we're all, we feel for him. There's empathy for him. But the reality is he didn't want to end up in the water, and he couldn't imagine getting there. Even afterward, he was talking about, yeah, I didn't even think about the water. Um, but he made the mistake and he had to deal with the consequences. And, and so as I think about just this, this need that, that he had to just, Hey man, just go left, like left. You're safe. Right is you don't even flirt with the right side. Don't hit it over near there. It's, it's not worth it. There's a Creek over there. Stay left. And this illustration to me, uh, parallels well to our own lives when it comes to, sin, disobedience, and, and whether it's, it's going left or right in, in life. And, and so how often, you know, do we know the direction that we need to go is, is left, but we go right instead. And how often do we realize that staying left on the fairway will keep us out of harm's way, but we find ourselves going right and, and landing in the water. And so this is the, the, the truth and the reality is that God has given us so much quote-unquote green fairway to live and enjoy life with him. And he invites us to remain on his path and go in his direction to avoid the hazards of life. He gives us 
all this opportunity to know him, to love him, to follow him, and, and we get to enjoy the, the, the fairway, so to speak. Life is still hard, but we get to enjoy the, the, the fairway, the right way, the right path, the right steps with him. And, and so, you know, really this began, this kind of concept with, with Adam and Eve, where everything was perfect then in the Garden of Eden, and, and God told them, hey, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. In other words, stay on the fairway and avoid the water hazard. And what did Adam and Eve do? They went straight for the water hazard, so to speak. And so they, they of course, gave into temptation, sin entered the world, and now we live with, with even more you know, water hazards that are out there to avoid. But thankfully, as followers of Jesus, he leads us and guides us toward the fairway, away from the hazards, because he's there to protect us. God's word and, and, and the commandments of the Bible and the, the, the way to live is for our, our benefit and, and for our protection from the pain and devastation that comes from the mistakes and from sin. And, and, and God doesn't want us to, to ex, have to continue to experience that and, and end up in the hazard and, and have to, to deal with that. And so we just have to choose when we're, you know, quote unquote, standing on the, on the tee box. Are we going to go to the fairway where God's calling us or are we going to end up in the, in the hazard? And, and so you know, God provides us these boundaries when it comes to things you know, uh, like sex or money. The, 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 the fairway, you know, we stay in the fairway, sex within marriage, good to go. We're all set. Step out of that, end up in the hazards and, and you end up in the water hazard money. Okay. Money's fine. Money's good. We need resources, but when we love money and, and, and money becomes our whole focus and, and center of, of our lives, well, it, it, it ends up leading to destruction often, you know, many, many times we end up in a hazard because money became the, the driving force of our lives. And, and we leave God out and we start chasing money. We start chasing all that comes with that. Um, and, and so, you know, even though we don't want to end up in the water and we can't imagine landing there, if we lose our focus on Jesus and disobey by swinging badly, then we have to deal with the, the consequences. Now, fortunately, Jesus offers us grace and forgiveness and, and we can repent and turn to him when we do have, you know, the, 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 the bad swing and, and end up in a hazard. The encouragement for us today, though, is to avoid the pain of disobedience and the shots that land in the hazard and to stay committed to hitting the ball straight, going where we clearly need to go as, as God leads and guides us onto the fairway and, and, and experience the, the, the victorious life in him, both now and ultimately for eternity. Uh, but this in Psalm 119, we'll, we'll end with this, uh, just an encouragement to live you know, the faithful, obedient life and to finish strong. You know, we, we can even go strong for 17 holes. And then we get to that 18th hole and we got to, again, remain, remain on the fairway. Uh, this is what it says. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. 
as I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. And so the encouragement, let's stay on the fairway, avoid the hazards, and, 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 and just remain in the boundaries that God has, has given us to, to live within and enjoy the, the life that he, he's given us uh, both now and for eternity. Luke, avoiding the hazards, man. <laughs> Our boy uh, Pereira found himself in there. Man. You know, lost focus, allowed the pressure to get to him, and, and, and made, made the costly mistake. Gosh, I know. All he needed was three wood left. Stay left. Stay left. Um, I, the thing I think of in my own life is what really comes to mind is something you always say. I believe God's way is the best way. So it, it really comes down to, do we believe that? I think there's there's certainly a stereotype out there that oh, Christians can't have fun or oh, all these rules God has for me. Oh, he, he, it's so limiting for me to be free. I just want to be free. Well, actually, true freedom is God's way. True freedom is when we operate in the guidelines of how God has set up things for us to enjoy, the guidelines and the guardrails on good gifts from him, like sex or like uh, using money, even food, then when it's when we pursue God's way, we actually get to enjoy them and won't have to worry about the negative consequences of abusing them. Freedom is not, oh, I do whatever I want, because that actually, I mean, Scripture is clear, and, and Paul talks about this in Romans, you are a slave to the one you serve, either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. And as being a slave to righteousness, following God's way, that actually is free, because in when, especially when you think of freedom as being united to Christ, he himself has complete freedom. When we're united to the one who is free— we have freedom, and we fo- when we follow God's way, then again, we get to enjoy them without worry of negative consequences that result from abusing good gifts from God. That's freedom, not doing whatever I want. So that's what I thought of. You say Again, you say it all the time. I believe God's way is the best way. It's, it's a very simple truth, but I think the question I'm asking myself today is, do I believe that? What areas do I struggle to believe that? Because I'd se- I certainly don't want to sit here and make it sound like it's easy to follow God's way and to operate within the guardrails of gifts he's given. I haven't always done that, and I'm not always going to do that perfectly. Um, but thankfully, through the, the power of the Holy Spirit, God helps me not abuse good gifts from him. And that's where it's we get to really enjoy good gifts from God. So... I'm encouraged by by your commitment to saying I believe God's way is the best way because that's that's really what it's about today. Amen. Amen. Well, that no, well, well said, and I think that's uh, yeah, a wonderful addition to uh, to this, this concept of uh, really uh, you know avoiding the the hazards that and and really going God's way prevents so much pain and heartache. I mean, I, I just I've seen people around me where, where they just make these, these poor choices, walk away from God and they have to deal with the ramifications of those, those choices. Now there is grace and forgiveness. And, you know, even for our boy Pereira, like he'll still be able to get back out there and and play again. And and he'll have other, other chances, but he still has to deal with the consequences of, of ending up in the hazard at the PGA championship when he was, all I needed to do was, was hit a par. 
Um, and so I think, you know, God uses our mistakes to grow us and change us, but we don't have to go, go make all those mistakes either. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much that is avoidable uh, that, that he, you know, he commands and he encourages for us to avoid and to stay yep. within the fairway, so to speak, uh, of his goodness and, and the, 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 the path that he has for us. So yeah, that reminds me of what you just said. I remember <clears throat> I was, uh, gosh, I forget where I was, but I was in church somewhere and something that the pastor said when he was preaching God's word was he, he was talking about he, before becoming a pastor, he had lived a life very far away from God and really pursued the world. And he said when his kids got a little older, I think around teenage years, he sat them down and said, Hey, I have done some of these things. Please take my word for it, that they're not worth it. You don't have to experience them for yourself and then learn through – you don't have to learn through experience sin. Like, believe me when I say they're not worth it. Mm. Uh, and I thought – so what you said just reminded me of that on – we can say the same thing in God's word. Yeah. The Christian life is, hey, go experience sin so that you can be redeemed. No. I mean, similar lines, should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. No, we should take God at his word. Hey, these things are not worth it. Avoid them at all costs. That's right. Not to earn favor with me, not so that you can earn salvation or anything, but because I want you to be free. I want you to flourish. I want you to have life in me and enjoy me. Mm. Because I know the... The world is always empty on its promises. It will never satisfy, never fulfill. Avoid them. Take my word for it. Um, and we have every reason to believe that through God's word. To we, we have every reason to believe it's not worth it, these things. Pursuing yeah. God's way is always worth it. Amen. Amen. So there you go. Uh, you can unpack that. Hopefully that's uh, an encouragement to, to all of us today to uh to choose god's way each each day all right so a lot left to get to we still have to hear that uh the movie that luke saw over the weekend that i disapprove so we'll, <laughs> we'll save that for just a few minutes from now uh but i did i did want to get into uh, one other kind of big story from the week and that of course is nick saban versus jimbo fisher and mm. we still have to get to our MetaShare moment of the week. We still have to do tap drill. Uh, but this story to me was really fascinating, kind of eye-opening, shocking. And my overall takeaway is I'm embarrassed for your boy Jimbo Fisher. Mm. I, I thought that his behavior in that press conference was embarrassing for a high-level head coach. And, you know, you know, Nick Saban, what he was saying in a, you know, private gathering that ended up becoming public to me is one thing. We could critique kind of what he said about Texas A&M, but I was disappointed in Jimbo's response. And I understand getting caught up in the moment and that sort of thing. But this was like, are you kidding me? We're, we're going, we're going there. We're going to, we're going to now attack a man's character and, and tell people to go search 
to try to find bad things about Nick Saban. I, that's like, I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we doing here? Uh, so that's my initial reaction. What was your initial reaction to all of this? Preface this, it's hard to take my Homer hat off when talking about this. To your point, though, I was shocked at the language and the verbiage and the sentiment of what was said. I certainly uh, understand Jimbo. There was a good deal of what he said that was seeming to he was wanting to defend his players and the players' families' reputations. He seemed to interpret what Nick Saban was saying as attacking his players, and he wanted to really step out in front of that. Um. And but it was wild to talk about. I have have we ever seen this before? A coat two two legends who are currently coaches going. I guess one going after the other. I don't. I don't even know what necessarily my response is. Besides, I'm just shocked. Like, is this how this is? This was real. <laughs> a, a press conference was called for Jimbo to. I mean, everything he said, we make him a czar. He called him God. Yeah. He is like, it was, and to say, I had opportunities to go coach with them and I don't ever want to coach with them and to allude to their friendship being done. Oof. I don't know. It's, and, I think it's probably, this is a good barometer of just all the pressures of NIL and what that's causing and the college football landscape will never be the same. And Jimbo was very offended at, what Saban said, and that it was hilarious. Saban also went after Deion Sanders. Deion's like, wait, what? How am I part of this? So I don't know. Jimbo's also probably furious. This like the third or fourth time he's had to address something like this in a press conference. Lane Kiffin said something. There was message boards and articles being written. It's wild. <laughs> but I, I, I am curious like how you respond to this as a – as a third-party fan, I mean, I obviously am a diehard A and M fan. But but is your is your love for Jimbo Fisher really that strong? I mean, he hasn't done anything for you guys yet. I mean, you know, competitive, okay, maybe a little bit. But I would have a tough time, even if he was my head coach, thinking this is our guy, this is our leader of young men. No thanks. I. I I, I I'm not I'm not attacking you as a fan or an, as an alum. No, that's I, I just a, yeah. I, I, I certainly am able to separate my A and M fandom with Jimbo. Like I cert, I don't think anyone would look at Jimbo and say Aggie, Aggie legend. I mean, yeah. far away from that. So easy to separate that. But I still, in regards to him wanting to defend his players, I support that. But man. It was there was certainly some uncalled for shots being taken, uncalled for language and verbiage used. I wonder if the PR people at the press conference were just like cringing at, oh my oh, gosh, please, what did you gonna say? That's yeah, enough to his, mute his mic, turn his mic off. Yeah, technical difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, I just don't think it's great for for head coaches and for kind of the the, the look of college football. Um I, one more thing real quick. This could end up being a great thing for A&M or a horrendous thing because now A&M, like the bulletin board material for Alabama on A&M now, 
Like A&M goes to Tuscaloosa this season. Oh. A&M's going to win by three or lose by 75 points. Oh, my goodness. Only two options. I'm thinking it's going to be the lose by 75 <sighs> because, I don't know, I'm, I'm now very concerned about that game. Yeah, it, that would be fascinating. Everybody would be watching that one. But to me, if Saban was willing to apologize and kind of clear the air on, on what he said and then Jimbo's not willing to accept it, again, it just falls into this, are you kidding me? Like we're we're grown adults, we're head coaches, we're leaders. It's not a good look. It's not the answer. Um, and so I, you know, I I always get hesitant when I, I I'm not trying to attack. I guess I, I'm attacking Jimbo to a certain extent, but it's more of the position of head coach of the face of a program and really the face of college football that this is what's being represented. And I I think I I'm, I'm I don't feel good about it. I really don't. And so. I think the the most ludicrous thing about this whole situation is it seems to be the coaches are arguing on who has clean hands here. Yeah, which that's do right. any of us think any of them do? Come well, that's, on, uh, I, so it, none, either of them have never broken rules in recruiting. I don't believe that for a second. Obviously, we, that's speculation, and I can't confirm that. So please don't ask me to confirm that. But there, it's, there there's an argument over okay, who's broken rules and who hasn't. Nick Saban standing over there talking about A&M buying players and alluding to, I haven't ever done that. Jimbo's saying we haven't broken any rules, may or may not have. So the whole conversation to me is pointless. Like, hey, college players well, have, been, have been paid for decades. We know that's happening. Well, and now it's, but that, that's the other part of it. They're allowed to use the NIL. So if I that's know. what Texas A&M is using, then that's that's part of the deal. I know. that's, so, And I'm not yeah. sure Saban was even complaining about that as much as he was trying to get his I mean, own he was at a donor's banquet. Money. He was at a yeah. donor's banquet when he said more this. Money. Yeah. But on, a, on an underlying note to this, why is college football so dependent on boosters and alumni? Like, to me, that this is still questionable that – why there's enough money being generated from college football to fund college football. Yeah. Why do you have to go outside money to do it? That's what I, that's what I have the hardest time with. Um, with all these collectives, like every school has a third party. Most big schools now have a third party collective where businesses are pooling money and players are getting money. Like Texas. I looked it up. One of their collectives is called Horns for Hearts or, uh, yeah, Horns with Heart. And there's a couple of business leaders, and every scholarship offensive lineman that goes to Texas gets $50,000 a year. And But it's unrelated to Texas, so it's it's allowed. The, I mean, college sports, I've been thinking about this. This is somewhat unrelated, but can college sports really – exist and not be professional because oh no, it's over like, so, the, the ship so is to, to be fair like you you can't do it now that it's it's generates so much money like these are pro athletes but but does the u.s is this is this the only country that has this problem like there's no college soccer right i mean maybe there is but like do you ever think of college sports in the uk like does the university of does oxford are they putting out a basketball team no is Cambridge, do they have a football? No, what's going on? You have youth and then you have pro. But now this weird in-between of college sports that 
gets so has so many fans. I'm literally a diehard fan of 20 year old guys who play for KU. I like to watch them play basketball, and they generate tons of money for KU because it's on national television. Yeah, but like and they should benefit. You from can't it. like it has to be pro or it's not. And now it's got to be professional. But then how do you sustain college sports? Why wouldn't you just go play professional then? Like it has to be professional and then greater professional. Like I don't even it's, the logic is is collapsing on itself. Well, everything has to be yeah reevaluated, and and now they've gone down this path of NIL. This is creating now new issues, and and almost didn't understand how it would all play out until they actually stepped into it. Well, now they have, and and a lot of this frustration is bubbling bubbling up from the frustration of Saban and Fisher and. You know, even a guy like uh, Jay Wright retiring, like I'm sure some of that, you know, just the changing landscape of college basketball and and the transfer portal. We've had one or two guests on our podcast talking about the transfer portal. And, you know, all of that is being thrown at these coaches and they're trying to figure it all out. So I do understand and have some grace on kind of the the pressure and the confusion. And they Saban's been doing this a long time, a certain way. And now you're saying, nope, now we got a new wrinkle to this. You got to think things differently now. That's hard for a 70-year-old. So so I do get that. Um, but I think the – I've always just desired to see the the players compensated for the value that they bring to a program. That if they if their performance and, and, and their sacrifice and everything out on the field is equaling dollars to that, that program, then it should be – given to them, given back to them, and, and, and that that be the structure. Yeah. And how that all plays out is still being you know, figured out. I think we're closer to that than we were, but it's still very vague. So many questions and, to be answered. And frustrating reg- in the process. Yeah, how to regulate it. and It's wild. So I think, yeah, the Jimbo and Saban thing is just a consequence of all the unknown, all the change. What do we do? It, it's It's bonkers. All I know is I'm going to still love watching my Aggies play football. I'm going to still love watching my Jayhawks play basketball. And uh, I'll be fine as a fan. So. And, and, yeah, I think it, where you're at, yeah, Jimbo, yeah, he's fine. Okay, he's a good coach. We've got a good coach for our program. But he didn't build Texas A&M, and he's not the, I mean, he's the face of the team now. But, yeah, he doesn't have a statue out front. he's not he's not he's not Bobby Bowden and to me the fact that he brought up Bobby Bowden's name in that ridiculous press conference also made me mad because I love Bobby Bowden he's one of my favorite coaches I've ever interviewed one of my favorite guests I've ever interviewed and was a wonderful man it wasn't perfect made it made made some mistakes here or there but to bring him into the conversation oh that 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 really that got me fired up so anyway it it's hilarious it's wild Bonkers. Yeah. yeah. All the buzzwords. All right. So Paul jumps in on the chat and he said, no on paying athletes. They're given full ride scholarships. Education has to be worth something. It is worth something. And you could factor that in. So I, I agree. But when we're talking, you know, $900 million, $500 million, whatever these numbers are that, that programs yeah. and conferences are making, uh, where is that money going? And I, I, I don't connect the dots that the football program should then fund the field hockey program. I, I don't see it that way. And then maybe that be maybe my bias because I don't play field hockey or never did, even though I feel like I could have been good. I used to play in the street. I used to play street hockey with no rollerblades, just feet. 
So maybe I could have been good at that, but it wasn't really like a guy's sport. So I don't yeah. know. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So to but, his but anyway, point I again, think that's where the money goes ultimately. Yeah. To, also to Paul's point, how do we look at NIL f- for the perspective of the bottom 25 roster spots on every D1 football team? How much access to, are they getting NIL dollars? I don't know. Well, they have like, the option to. They have the option to, but in regards to all oh, these athletes are making so much money, well, the top hand, the top few percent of players, but for a lot of players, having their education paid for is huge. And they're, yeah, I'm going to play football. I love playing football, or I'm going to play any sport, but they're going to be four-year guys, and they're going to go on, like the NCAA commercial, they go on and go pro in something other than sports. Majority of people, that's what they do. But somebody at Alabama playing football is not focused in general. Their bigger focus is winning and getting to the NFL. They're not there for education. That's not their main objective. And so we can pretend like it is or that it should be, but that's not the reality. These guys are these guys are competing at a very high level with millions of dollars on the line of, of people watching college football and participating and you know 100,000 people show up to all these college football games. This is big business. This is big attention. They're not worried about their math 101 class. I, they got to show up and you know stay eligible and all that kind of thing, but I to me there's still so, there's still so much disconnect. It's hilarious. So like all these guys that are going to a Bama or a Florida or a Georgia, they're going to play football. To think that they're having to pass a math class in order to be eligible is laughable, right? Yeah, like we yeah. understand that, you know, especially in like high school, hey, we want everyone to graduate high school. You got to pass your classes. We want to teach kids. We want them to learn. But college, now that there's so much money involved, it's a, somewhat a professional sport, and the dollars it generates, a, a big. I guess, but for for an app state, there's a lot of players who, hey, I'm going to educate, I'm going to full ride. I'm, there's no way I'm making the NFL. I'm going to play. I'm going to try hard, but I'm not. I don't have NFL aspirations. The bigger the school, the more players have NFL aspirations, and the more hilarious it is that if they don't pass this English class that they don't care about. They're going to be there for not that long, especially in basketball, the one and done. Why did any one and done college basketball players have to pass a math class to play? That seems well, a lot. La- barely. That yeah. seems hilarious to me, right? The one and done stuff. But now when these kids have the opportunity to then go back to school after their playing days are over, then it's great. Then they can really focus on it. It's always awesome to hear when these guys, hey, even 10 years later, hey, I graduated. A couple of guys, I think even Jerome Bettis. Just, Steph Curry uh, just went back and graduated. Just, yeah, absolutely. So it's great. So it's not downplaying education, but it's no. when they get that education, it yeah. doesn't make sense while they're in the middle of play, their, their prime playing days. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> they're there to play sports. Main focus. They're there to play sports. Yeah, so there should be a sports degree or something. At least get a couple <laughs> well, of years. Charles Barkley's talked – I forget what Charles Barkley said his degree was, but art appreciation, I think. Oh, he, he said, yeah, people brought in art, and I appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. I like that. All right, so I know this is a uh, – everybody's got an opinion on it, and it's almost like in some ways my opinion you know, changes a little bit here or there just because it's, it's, it's an ever-changing yeah, yeah. Uh, situation in college sports. 
Uh, but we'd love to know your thoughts. Bryce at unpackingit.com. I know one of our loyal listeners, Mike, uh, I've had lunch with him discuss this, and he's he's on the opposite end of me and actually has some great points uh, to, to counteract the, the arguments. But uh, always enjoy hearing the different perspectives on this, on this topic. Uh, but I think we can mostly agree. Saban, Jimbo, not a great look for college football. Let's, let's clean it up, guys. Let's clean it up. You guys are the, the leaders of, of college football. Come on. We're, we're looking to you. I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't be, but we're kind of looking to you as, as the, uh, the, the head of college football right now. So let's, mm. let's, uh, let's clean it up. All right. I still want to uh, give Luke a hard time for the movie that he went and saw this weekend. Um, but let's do our MetaShare moment of the week. Do you, do you have that, that queued up, Luke? Oh, we got uh, it. So you know, every once in a while, there's just something that, that, that pops up in the week of sports where you just take a moment and you go, man, that was cool. That was awesome. That was inspiring. That was encouraging. That's neat. And so we call it our MetaShare moment of the week. It's brought to you by MetaShare. And we encourage you to check out MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. And MetaShare, they've been a, a, we've been a member of my family for, for over five years. Uh, it's affordable, reliable health care. Uh, and so on average, people save 50% or more on their health care costs uh, with MetaShare. And so MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. But let's, uh, let's play this clip. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Moments ago, Adley Rutschman onto the field as a big leaguer for the first time. Shook hands with Andy Fletcher and then with a standing ovation behind him. Everybody tells you enjoy the moment in your big league debut. And few actually take the moment to soak it all in quite like that. Moments ago, Adley Rutschman onto the field. Man, so cool. So, you know, it's like, oh, maybe a little cheesy at first, but the bottom line is here is a top prospect. He finally makes his Major League Baseball debut as a catcher. Uh, his name's Adley uh, Rutschman and Baltimore Orioles, and he just looks around. He looks around at the crowd, and you can see him soaking in the moment. And you hear about this, like when you're at your wedding or when you have, you know, the birth of your child or, you know, key milestone moments. Hey, you know, soak in the moment. But oftentimes you get so caught up in it that you're, you know, your your head spinning, so to speak, and you don't really pause. But here he is making his all those years of, of building toward making it to to the big leagues. And here you are stepping onto the field, your first opportunity, and you look around and you go, here it is. Here yeah. it is. And for the, the commentators to be able to see that, to notice that, and then this this clip has gone viral to a certain extent. Somehow I came across it. Um, and so so then it just kind of, to me, encourages other people to uh, to enjoy the moment, pause, and and soak it in. So pretty 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 cool stuff right there, Luke. I mean, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's like we all identify with that on a huge moment for him. And for him to actually pause, because it's easy to feel rushed. Oh, I got to get out here. But to to pause and slow down, it's so hard to slow down in our culture. So fast-paced, everything, immediate gratification. But for him to look around, to your point, we've all had those moments in life. Think of my wedding, the pastor who officiated, and any wedding I've been to. Hey, guys, just take take a minute and look around everyone who's here celebrating you at your wedding. Like, I remember that moment. And I remember cool. every wedding yeah. I've been to when the the pastor officiating says, hey, just look at everyone. Just look around the room. Who's here? And it really is profound to just slow down 
and not have to just get through everything as fast as can, but to slow down and appreciate. So I think we watching him do that, we all feel that because we've all had those moments. So that was that was really cool to see. It was. So take a moment to pause today. Soak, soak something in. Soak something in today. All right, we'll end uh, our show today on some silliness and, and some fun. Uh, we, we may get to tap drill a little bit, but Luke, you know I love movies. I enjoy a good movie. I actually love going to the movie theater. I haven't gone in, in a couple the of theater, years. Theater, the cinema. The cinema. It's always fun. Uh, but normally, you know, I, I go out to see a, you know, inspiring movie, uh, an action movie, a comedy, you know, something like that. Uh, but from what I understand, you didn't see that kind of movie. What, what did you go and see? It was a fantastic motion picture. It was a film, if you will, a film, if you will, I'll preface by saying I was probably 50 years under the median age at the theater. (laughs) I was with my wife, Madeline, my mom and stepdad, and we saw the new Downton Abbey. Oh, Oh, round of applause. Oh, my round of applause. Unless you have a boo, a boo button. Yeah. So, oh, that's bad. That is bad, man. It what was are you tremendous. doing in Downton Abbey? All right, just off the bat, here's my perspective. So, <laughs> Jody watched the show, my wife. She watched yep. the show. I, I never watched it. There were a few times I, like, came in when she was watching it, and I immediately, I'm out. I, I, I don't like that setting. <laughs> I don't like that time period. What's yep. that? Back to the man cave. Back to the man. Oh, okay, great. Uh, you got, you're, you're watching something? Okay, good. I'm out. <laughs> and, and so we have plenty of things that we enjoy together and watch together and we have our shows and movies and all that. But Downton Abbey was not something I jumped on board with. I was out. And so this idea that now there's a movie made about this show and that you went and saw it. I'm beside myself. I'm a little upset with you. It's a little <laughs> disappointing. I don't know how to feel exactly, but defend yourself, Luke. Well, I'll first by saying I have a sophisticated palate. Okay. I'll get out of here with that. So – Get out of here. I'll confess this as well. I remember watching The Young and the Restless with my grandmother growing what up. What's wrong with you? And it was tremendous. Oh, oh so good. You? So good. So That's I don't know if it's... Opera, apparently. I don't. Oh, yeah. Don't sleep on soap operas. So I don't know if it's just oh. growing up with my mom and sister. We I was always around that stuff. I was always around Say Yes to the Dress, all those oh, the TLC stop. shows. Just stop. But I've got the best of both worlds. Diehard sports fan, and I can appreciate the Downton Abbeys of the world and actually enjoy it. And I, you're going to be ashamed of, that I say this. I left the Downton Abbey movie, and I told Madeline, I've got to watch the show. I've Wait, got to watch the, the show. show. You just went and saw the movie? Just the movie. Just the movie. Oh, so terrible. Madeline has seen the show, and it's been on in the background, so I, I've been around it. And I'm like, babe, we've got to watch the show. I want to watch it. I remember my mom... When she first watched it, I mean, sayonara. She was on her iPad, zoned in, zoned into the series, could not stop watching. Oh, it was a great movie. It was so you good. You enjoyed it without ever seeing the show. That is bizarre to me. It was so good. It was hilarious, though, the whole environment. I mean, it's all 75-year-old couples and then us. The classic, you know, they're kind of, they're all bickering about, hey, you're in the wrong seat. Hey, uh, you know, you're talking too loud. So we had all the stereotypes of old moviegoers <laughs> and then us. Oh. And it was tremendous. Madeline and my mom both crying, shedding tears. And you were crying. Don't nah, no it. tears. 
I've only no cried in, in two movies. I can only imagine in Marley and Me. Sobbed during those. So those are the two I've cried in. I was crying last night watching the the hometown American Idols. So <laughs> no, I, you're I, still I, an American Idol. No, oh, I, I haven't watched it in in years. I was I, about to say American I, Idol. A long, we're a long way past its glory days. Yeah, I think the last time I really watched it was the year my boy Chris Daughtry sh- sh- lost and shouldn't have. Um, I still am. I still have a grievance that Bo Bice lost to Carrie Underwood. I, I cannot believe. <laughs> Bo Bice lost his cover of I don't want to be by Gavin DeGraw is the greatest song ever recorded and Carrie Underwood won. I called in and voted for Bo Bice. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Wow. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was watching uh, American Idol last night. I only watched a little bit of it, but the, the, the woman or girl that I thought should have won didn't win. So mm. I, I, I whiffed on that one. Uh, but anyway, I, but I'm not into American Idol. I'm into the mass singer. That's the one show that I do. You are mass dancer. All, the I don't whole do the mass dancer. Get out of the mass dancer. <laughs> that, that failed. I don't even think they. I don't think that lasted. Um, You're keeping it alive, though. All right. So, uh, so I'm glad you you had a nice time with with Downton Abbey. Hopefully that that earned you some some <laughs> well, brownie points. I have a couple more. I had some takeaways, Madeline and I. There are certain things from that era that hmm. I think we should bring back. This is what era? I mean, this is old time English setting. Second movie was 1920s. I think the oh, movie. Okay. Entering into the 1930s, I believe. So, you know, I, 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 I always open the door, car door for Madeline, or door walking into places. But I, I was asking her, if I do that, must I stand every time a woman walks in the room? Or especially every time you walk in the room, do I need to stand? Hmm. She was like, I think that would be nice if you stood <laughs> when I got home. And I'm like, well, if I open the car door, like that's just picking and choosing. Because that's that's certainly like an old thing we've inherited. And then, this is the kicker. I I was like, if I stand every time you walk in the room, I want you to refer to me as His Lordship. Every time I walk home, every time I come home, hello, good to see you, His Lordship. I want to go by that. <laughs> or when she refers to me, hey, what are you Luke? What are you and uh, Luke are doing? What are you and Luke doing today? Oh yeah, me and His Lordship, we're uh, we're headed to the grocery store, then going to a movie. Oh my so that's gosh. the deal I was trying to broker. Oh, I want to be man. his lordship. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'm sure that'll land well. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> sure that'll right. really catch on. But she was like, "We lit our our little neighborhood's called Carroll Park." She was like, "Well, you could go by Lord Carroll Park." I was like, "I like the sound of that, Lord Carroll Park." I'm sure, your neighbors will uh, refer to you that <laughs> that way as well. My, we got to resurrect those to things as... from the, from that culture. What's that? We got to resurrect those things from that culture. His yeah, lordship. Know. Lord Carroll Park. That's that's funny. I I feel like the fifties or sixties were were a better time, or maybe the fifth, maybe the fifties. But uh, I'd have to do more research on what I would want to take from that. But off the we, off the bat, the fifties to me would be the the default. Well, I think you only say that because we had one episode where you had the one gelled hair coming down the forehead, oh, that's like right. you were Elvis. Yeah, so you could pull it off. You could pull that's off the was. look. That's that's why I'm drawn to it. Okay, that makes sense. That was the Elvis era. Oh yeah. All right. So yeah, the uh, the English uh, lordship era. Not for me, but it is for Luke. So good for you. All right. A couple other things before we get out of here today. Uh, I saw earlier Arizona Cardinals going on the in season hard knocks this year. I watched a little bit of the Colts in season last year, and the Colts ended up having a really disappointing season. I think this will be the same for the Cardinals. So they'll be on hard knocks. 
in the middle of a very difficult season because mm-hmm. I don't see them being better than the 49ers or the Rams. So they're, they're already kind of off, the, off to a bad start. And then with Kyler Murray, not really happy with Arizona. I don't think it works well with him this year. So anyway, I thought, I thought that was an interesting team to be on hard knocks. And now we get to watch kind of the downfall of the Cardinals. That's my prediction there. Uh, also, speaking of the Colts, Nick Foles, my boy. I love Nick Foles reuniting with Frank Reich. I love this move. I absolutely love it. And yeah. I'm going back and forth on how definitive I want to be about the, the Colts winning the Super Bowl. But this is this gives me even more ammo to say, yep, I think they're going to do it. So I feel very good. Because now cause I love Matt Ryan in this position as the, the starting quarterback. And if they need Nick Foles midway through the season in the playoffs, I, I think with this team, with Frank Reich, he can get it done. I really do. So this is good news. We almost need we 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 talked about stories that need to be on the big screen big screen last week. Do oh, we need a Nick point. Foles movie? Yeah, Super Bowl absolutely. MVP to Journeyman. Yep, uh, it's it's wild, wild. I know Jacksonville, Chicago oh. bench starter bench third string. Gosh. Now in Indy, reunited with his former assistant co- or offensive coordinator. That's that's amazing. Let's see. Uh, any other stories? Oh, what about this uh, this this story on the Corn Ferry Tour? Uh, why don't you why don't you tell us a, a, about this one? A golfer shows up moments before his tee time. I mean, this was a pretty amazing situation. Oh, I know. So his name's James Nicholas, and he's he's grinding to you know make it in professional golf. And to preface this, making it in pro golf is darn oh, near impossible. So, so hard. it's it's so hard. So he was basically at 7.30 p.m. the night before this tournament started. He was the seventh alternate. And he was like, you know, I'm not going to pay the money to travel there as the seventh alternate. Because that it's, it's, it's not much of a chance to actually, for that many golfers, that late in the game to drop and for him to get a spot. Two hours later, gets the call. Hey, you're first alternate. He was like, all right. I'm making the trip flat out the next morning, hour and a half delay for his, for his flight. He lands, he's, he leaves his bag at, on the carousel, because if he had to wait for his bag, he would have been late for his tea time. He shows up to the course with literally just the clothes he's wearing. Oh my goodness. Five minutes before his tea time, they give him shoes, the course, a glove, he uses the the local pros clubs. <laughs> everything, everything was given to him. Ended up shooting four over, which is still impressive. And he barely missed the cut. Uh, he's able to use his clubs the next day. He barely missed the cut. But that's remarkable. That is literally showing up with nothing. Good for them to take care of him. To like, hey, you know what? It's hard to grind out on the Corn Ferry Tour and mini tours. You're just waiting. Hey, is there a spot for me? And his flight was delayed. And yeah. Just I remember that he said on his flight after it landed, they over the intercom, they said, hey, can everyone stay in their seats? This guy needs to make his tea time. So he was the first <laughs> one off the plane, and they all cheered for him. Round, round of applause. Really? Oh, yeah. But that, that He's the most important person on that flight. I'm sure yeah. other people had other important There's probably doctors do heading into an yeah. emergency surgery, but no. Get this yeah, guy to his corn fairy tour, tour tea time. Come on. Yeah. 
Oh my god. Isn't that gosh. remarkable? He literally showed up with nothing and they gave him everything. It was hmm. hilarious. And he striped his first tee shot as he's stretching 30 seconds before a professional tournament. Gosh. <laughs> wow. Well, he stepped you never know when that moment's going to happen, so you, you step up yeah. and he wasn't able to take full advantage of it, but Hey, made made a good effort and, and just being there sometimes. You never know what 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 door this opens up for him because now people are talking about him and are that's what I'm saying. He is. I don't be surprised if he gets a sponsor exemption at a PGA oh. Tour event. If you get your name out there, because yeah. any any sponsor can give out a handful of spots to anyone. Mm. Like Tony Romo's gotten one, Steph Curry. Um, so if you get your he's got some PR now. So maybe he can get invited. You never that's know. Cool. Well, good, good stuff. All right. Well, we missed Henry today. He'll be back in a couple weeks. Next week, we'll uh, we'll be off for Memorial Day. Uh, but hope you have a wonderful long weekend. And appreciate everybody listening today. Those that stream live and those that listen later. Always love hearing from you. Thanks to all the comments. Uh, Shannon, some great stuff uh, on the comments. Looks like Timothy, a uh, number of people. So we appreciate it. Um, and then always the email, Bryce at Unpacking It. Thanks to intern Landon. Thanks to Luke. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, a great week. And be encouraged by today's Unpack This Topic. uh, As we talked about, uh, just staying on the the path, staying in the fairway, the boundaries that God has given us. His commandments are there for our protection to stay out of the hazards, to stay out of the the, the water, so to speak, Uh, like we saw on the 18th hole yesterday at the PGA Championship uh, from Pereira. Poor guy. Gosh, tough way to lose. Uh, But congrats to Justin Thomas on the the big win. Uh, But the verse today, Psalm 119, joyful are people of integrity. So let's live and be people of integrity and experience the joy that's found uh, following the Lord and and living life according to his way. God's way is the best way. Have a great one. Thanks for listening. I'm Bryce. This has been the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.